Hello, thank you so much for downloading this episode of Bees Pod. My name's Ian Bottrell and we recorded this show in two parts. The first section is an interview with uh, Daniela Curso and Benjamin Young just after the final whistle at Forest Green. In the second part, I sit down with Mem for a proper chat through some analysis as he followed the game on iFollow from abroad. So, thank you so much for listening. As ever, if you've got any feedback or comments, please do let us know via Twitter or online. We're really happy we managed to field quite a few of your questions in today's episode and we'd love to carry on doing that. So, thanks a lot. Keep going and come on you bees. So we'll start with you, Daniele. What are your thoughts on, uh, on what happened today? A mixed game in the first half. They were all over us. They deserved the 2-0 lead going into the break. But I think a crit- criticism I had of Rossi last season was he wouldn't change at mid-game. Today he got it in the half, spot on, changed a three at the back, improved massively, dominated that second half, and we got our just rewards in the end. Was that a similar assessment from, from yourself, Ben? Or Yeah, pretty much so. Uh, in the first half, uh, Forest Green's passing was just crisper and uh, quicker than ours. Our, our build-up was too ponderous and slow. Uh, in the second half, we, we just uh, played with more intensity, a greater tempo. We didn't allow them to settle on the ball and they, they couldn't handle it. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged considering, I'd say, three regular first-team starters were not uh, playing at all today. Who stood out really for you both on the, on the pitch today as the person who, uh, who really did us a favour in that second half or play well throughout? For me, I'm always going to back John Louis Ack back, bro. I love the guy. <laughs> I absolutely love him. I think second half with him next to Shaq, we were always pumping the ball up to Shaq. He didn't have, in the first half, he didn't have that aerial presence with John Louis next to him. He was able to win those flick-ons and it just allowed us to push further up the pitch. And what about yourself, Ben? Uh, I'd, I'd go for Campbell Rice. He was just everywhere. He was always available, always willing to take a risk and always, uh, you know, there to carry the rest of the team. I also thought Marrow got through a lot of work in a very unfamiliar role for him. Uh, but yes, Akka's putting a sterling performance today indeed as well. And, and what about, I guess, going back to the first half then, Daniele, what, you know, we started off okay, I thought, but then we lost those two quick goals. What were your sense about how he played in the first half, um, looking back on it, having now seen us, the game finish and a draw? Uh, like Ben said, it was it was slow, it was lethargic. When Jamal got the ball, it was, again, taking his time on the ball, uh, playing that 4-2-3-1 formation. When we were going out wide, it was too predictable. When we got balls into the box, no one was ever there. Uh, in the goals as well, I mean, it's harsh because Clough went off injured, and that's what happened in the corner. And then when he came when he came back on, he had the headband on, so who knows how he was feeling at that point, and he got turned. But yeah, it was just two really quick goals and yeah, they deserved the lead. And Ben, you mentioned just before we started recording about a couple of players who came off at half-time, so Shomerton went off and Clough went off. Were there any players that didn't really impress you at the start of the game who you felt you would have wanted a bit more from, you know, from this first six year? Uh, well, you mean that uh, they showed more this game? Oh, no, sorry, all the ones that perhaps didn't show as much as you'd like this game, so ones you think were a bit disappointing? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, Shomerton was the one for me. He, he just never seems to want to take a risk in his attacking play. And he doesn't contribute enough uh, offensively. Uh, I think Cawthor's uh, definitely improved as the game went along. I think the change of formation helped him. Uh, it's never easy on, on your debut, especially when you've only played one game with uh, the rest of the squad. Uh, uh, and um, 
Yeah, I don't. I, I, I wouldn't say there's anyone else who particularly disappointed. Um, I, th- I think Jack was unlucky to be sent off. Uh, quite frankly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's only got the brunt of the referee's yeah. eye there. I guess lastly, then you know we've got a couple of games coming up. Um, a lot of people were worried about the lack of a defensive midfielder before the start of the season. Looking at that team and that position of the pitch, especially, are you still worried about that? Is that something you ever worried about, or do you think we need to strengthen our areas before we go into sort of a, a big run of games? Uh, I, I would say we still need one. Um, uh, I think Forest Green were probably sort of kind opponents for us to go into uh, a match in, with this sort of situation. Uh, I am a bit fearful that against the likes of Luton uh, next weekend, this uh, could be a more glaring deficiency for us. Well, they, they won 7 2 today, Luton, so I think we're going to get a strong test. What about you, Danielle? It's a weird one because in the first half when we were playing the 4-2-3-1 their balls are just slicing us open through the middle and I was thinking you know we need a Tom Champion or just a dogged player in there to win the ball but in the second half when we changed formation I thought Mara was getting in there a lot more and so yeah in the second half I didn't think we needed one but the first half showed we did so perhaps it just depends on the formation we're playing more than anything because I think Mauro as that quick pacey player next to Jack can actually fill the role quite well. And, and final final question then Today was the first time I think I've seen Barnett play for about three years without Big John uh, at the top. Uh, we came out with a draw. What were your thoughts on that? Did, did you think that we obviously would, we missed him big time today or do you think that we managed to adjust quite well in the circumstances? Uh, well, first half we did miss him. In the second half we, we adjusted very well. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I, I, think, I think we're always better with Big John. Uh, I'd like to see more of Big John in that part for Yeah quite frankly. And what about you, Danielle? Um, again, in the first half, Shaq wasn't the presence up front. We need we need a big physical guy who's going to... You saw the players a lot of the time. They want to just wh- uh, bunt, uh, run the ball yeah. forward. Shaq isn't quite on that wavelength of when to run in behind. But I think in the second half, I think John Louis, I mean, he is a striker at the end of the day. He's not a winger. So when he plays up front in that role, you know, you saw today he's winning headers. I think if we do play him up front when John's not there, it's an available option but of course not the best one alright well thanks a lot for joining us guys and uh, fingers crossed to get a decent result next week against Luton cheers guys thanks a lot that was Daniele Accurso and Benjamin Young who I caught up with as the full time whistle went at Forest Green in the second part of the show I had a chat with Mem a long chat with Mem about what he thought and his analysis he picked up as he watched the game on iFollow so here's the second half with Mem so, Mem, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, welcome back. Um, you saw, uh, as I did yesterday, the Forest Green game. Um, so, first of all, what were your thoughts on the performance as a whole? Um, I thought the beginning uh, was quite evenly matched. I thought that we were looking like we are going at half-time 0-0, and we looked like we had our chances. Uh, Forest Green had their little spells as well. And to be honest, the first half gave... Um, all uh, changed on Charlie Clough getting injured. Uh, before we knew it, two 0 down, and then the second half was uh, about Rossi changing the system uh, and us getting back into the game. Um, and I felt that uh, Jamal Campbell Rice was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch, and a real leader and a real leader's performance as well. And if we if we look at the start then of the of the game, how we set up, what did you make of the starting eleven? Because um, people had a few questions about whether or not that was the best eleven to start with, or you know the midfield in particular got quite a lot of criticism being quite lightweight. So did you agree with that, or did you think we started the game quite well? I felt that the, I, I looked at it and I did feel that there was a, there was 
wasn't a huge amount of height. But then I looked at the the options we had, and we the spine of our team was decimated. We had, had Nelson was still not hundred percent. We had no Curtis Weston and no John Akinde. That's three three guys that would make up the majority of um, the uh, essentially the muscle down the spine. So what I noticed with Rossi is I noticed actually loads of little micro plans around the pitch. And one thing I noticed about in the midfield is that he he had made the midfield tried to make the midfield very uh, very fluid. And, and, it, and when we didn't have the ball, we were quite compact. And when we didn't have the ball, we moved the ball at pace and we broke really fast. And Jace, uh, JCR had a free roll, essentially, but he was coming in deep to collect the ball. So very early on, I saw straight away what, what Rossi was trying to do. He, he clearly had decided that somebody like uh, Fongook was potentially not going to move the ball quick enough playing in that DM position. So he felt that if I play Mauro in there, the ball will move a lot quicker. And Mara was actually very good at intercepting the ball and reading uh, reading plays. But also what Mara did as well was he broke from midfield quite a lot. So I think what Rossi did was he he picked the best of what he had and then he had little plans to sort of to, to make it work. And do you feel that, you know, that first half performance when we went in, because I was there and we went in 2-0 down at half time and it felt very much like a sort of typical Barnet start of the season performance... Do you think the people who were critical at half-time were right to be, or do you think we were just simply unlucky to go two goals down with Charlie Clough off the pitch and then clearly concussed for the second goal? I think we were unlucky because, again, I, I was I was in I was in the um, uh, in a good position in that I I wasn't at the game and and as I said to you off uh, before we started, I actually watched it uh, online and I did it without any sound. So I was able to do it without any influence from anybody around me, uh, anybody talking um, and sort of making, almost like telling me what I should be seeing. And what I saw was a team that was very well organised and actually was a team that would start, was just feeling their way into the season. And I think it was 40 minutes the goal scored, up to 40 minutes. If, we did, if the whistle had blown at that point, I think we'd have been quite happy and said, OK, second half now, we go and win the game. Um we had that unfortunate situation with Charlie Clough, um, where both goals pretty much stem from that. There is another reason, I think, as well, um, which I'll, I'll elaborate on a bit later. Um, whereas I think where that first goal could have been avoided, um, but on the whole, I thought it was just if we'd gone in at half time on the forty minutes, we'd have been quite happy with that performance away from home. I agree. I, I think being there was interesting because you could you could see a couple of things that were. I think quite impressive. So firstly, there was a definite fluidity within the midfield. And you saw, as you said, JCR dropping quite deep to sort of get hold of the ball. Um, and I think last season at points, we didn't have any sort of movement between the lines of players. So you'd have, you know, people under Allen being in quite rigid formations, which often didn't give us the opportunity to sort of, you know, bring the ball forwards when we needed to kind of create an overlap somewhere on the pitch. And I thought that, that worked quite well. I did get a sense, though, that the height was going to be an issue. Um, and I think even though Forrest Green, you know, scored in that five minute period before half time, there was a period of about sort of, I don't know, 20 minutes, 20 minutes into the match, or about 10 minutes or so, where they kept the ball quite a lot and they put us under quite a lot of pressure and probably could have gone 1-0 up. Um, so do you think that Rossi did the best he could in in a circumstance at the start of the game? Or were there, was there any changes or tweaks you would have made? Would you, for example, have started with the, the three at the back that saw us, um, 
you know, start the second half and play really well in that, in that part of the game? Or do you think he actually did the right call and, and started with the team um, he thought would do the best job? I felt that with what he had, especially with Nelson not being 100%, I thought he had, I think he felt that he started with the right, the right team in my, in my opinion. The only thing I might have changed is I may have put Harry uh, Taylor in, uh, in front of the back four. But there was a plan. You, there was a little. There was a little plan around what Marrow was doing. And what was interesting was the height wasn't necessary um, in when the, in open play because what was happening was is that every time a ball was launched in into that area, they'd clearly made a decision that actually Charlie Clough or Santos was going to come and attack the ball, and one and Marrow would 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 would, uh, would sit off slightly um, and come in behind. So there was a plan for that. Now the issue, obviously, was the dead ball, uh, and we didn't actually concede many set pieces. And I did say in my in, in, in a tweet early in the game that this game we need we need to keep set pieces to an absolute minimum and not make any stupid tackles around our box to allow them to deliver set pieces. Uh, obviously, to, to capitalise on like, the height difference. But I do think that actually, I think on going forward, one thing I would say about Martin Allen compared to what uh, to Rossi is although I'm not a big fan of Martin Allen's style of football one thing he did do is he used to he equipped his teams with players 5'6 players over 6 foot tall and regardless of what way you want to play in this division you have to have um, that ability to defend your set pieces so I think Rossi's going to have to have a look at the profile of the player that he does bring in and they, they'll need to be of a certain height to make, to make up for the fact that people like JCR uh, people like Shomerton, people like Coulthurst, uh, uh, they're not the tallest. And, so, And sort of looking, I guess one of the things that he did change then, Rossi, at half-time was, was formation and also players. So um, what were your, I mean, he pulled off Clough, uh, which was a yeah, pretty self-explanatory decision considering the injury, uh, and Shomerton as well also um, sort of gave way. What what changes did you think, looking from where you were, what changes did he make at the start of the second half and what were the impact of those changes? Well, I think the key to it was is if the game was still tight nil-nil, I don't think he'd have made any changes because the way we were playing and the way we were moving the ball out, we seemed to have this... Um, Shomerton actually did all quite did quite well in the first half. He got beat his man several times and got in some nice crosses and it seemed to be uh, this plan of... Uh, of Jean-Louis Akrakpro, I can never say his name, <laughs> attacking attack the back stick. So the idea was to miss out a cool test and actually have uh, uh, Akak at the back, st- at the back stick uh, attacking it. And that seemed to work quite nicely. And we should have had a goal from that where he didn't get, he didn't get a very good connection. So but I think the key to it was is he, what he needed to do is, at half-time is firstly he needed to motivate the players and he needed to get their belief back again because I think the players obviously were flat and they were they, at the wind taken out of their sails so by changing the formation and, and making this big change at half time what he's essentially doing is he's pumping up the players and saying okay you know what if we're going to go down we're going to go down fighting so we're going to change the system and, and so the players feel like they've done they're doing something about it so that for a start that was partly motivating the players secondly it's changing the angles of the attack so what you've done boys before with a 4-2-3-1 now you're play, we're playing a different system um, what happened was that we played with two strikers uh, running the channels and what they were doing is they were turning their centre-backs and their centre-backs were constantly having to turn into the channels 
which was creating a space for uh, Jamal Campbell-Rice. And that's essentially where his, his goal came from because there was nobody around him for, for his goal. So I think that showed a real good, uh, real good flexibility and also awareness of the fact that the players needed a reaction from him quickly um, rather than him waiting five or ten minutes when the second half had started to make his changes. Yeah, I think it's really positive. I, I was saying um, as I left the game to a few people that that's probably one of the best ways to get a 2-2 draw, really, is, is to kind of lose two goals in unfortunate circumstances and then turn it around through, you know, your own decisions. I, I felt in the second half, I think part of it was Forest Green sitting off a little bit and I felt that from their perspective, they were probably a bit disappointed, not just because they were 2-0 up, but because they really didn't get a foothold in the game at all in the second half. And I think, I don't know if it was yourself or someone else said that they weren't they weren't really brave enough. They were a bit tentative. They weren't brave enough to make some changes that could have maybe you know got the game back in their favour. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really good performance. And actually, I think you know if you took the mood at half time and the mood at full time, overall people were really happy with with how we started. Moving out then from the from the match into sort of bigger picture trends, let's start first of all with um, players that we haven't seen much of. And, and how they performed. So, what were your what were your thoughts really on uh, on Coolthurst um, and Akpro up front? Did you feel that they were a good combination, or do you think that we're still lacking a little bit up there, and that they're not adequate replacements for Big John? I think they are. I think that neither of them are replacements for Big John because Big John plays the way that Big John plays. The difference what they gave us yesterday was they gave us uh, a different game plan. In the first half, we had. Um, uh, Jean-Louis, he was essentially playing as a, a left-sided forward. Although he was supposed to be sort of left of the front three, he was. We were essentially playing two up top because if you looked, if you froze the game, and I did on on several occasions, I I, I just looked at the, the. I was looking at the wider pitch, and I was looking at thinking, um, Jean-Louis is like literally he's up with Coulthurst, but he's on the left of it. So what they were doing, we were playing a kind of slightly um, skewed four-two-three-one. With Shomerton being the wide, being wide but slightly deeper, and Jean-Luc Akpom playing further up on the left. But what what that showed me was that these guys are guys that are going to be runners and quite nimble and sort of popping off in and out, making little darting runs. Something that John Akinde doesn't do. So it gives Rossi a real opportunity to change um, the the method of where we the, the way we attack by having these guys. And I think Coulthurst actually was far too, um, uh, should have been more selfish when he tried to lay the ball on the plate for Acro Acro. Um, and, and, and actually, he should, have, he should have had a crack himself when he was thrown goal. Um, but I thought the two of them together actually played really, really well. Yeah, it was, it was positive because a lot of people felt that without Big John, we were really going to struggle for goals. And actually, you know, we, we scored two. We created some decent chances as well, even in the first half. Um, you know, I think Jamal Campbell Rice was really a huge figure in 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 both halves, and he put in some good balls that we came close to scoring from in the first half. So I think that was quite pleasing. And I'd like to sort of switch focus if we can, because we put out a little call on on Twitter for any questions. We got loads in, and um, so I thought we'd we'd run through a few of them uh, and see uh, you know what we both think about them. So the first one comes from Richard Bowden, uh, who says. What are your views on recent signings and what we've learned, which we, we touched upon just there? And his second question is, um, based on that, what, if any, position or type of player do we now need to add to the squad? Um, do you still think we need a holding midfielder or do you think that actually we've got the tactics um, to, to work around it? OK, so we need a player to play in that pivot role 
but, and this is where I disagree with a lot of people that I've seen making comments, we do not need Destroyer sitting in, the, in, in, in that pivot role because we are looking to play a fluid system to this year, okay? And so if you've got a guy who's a clogger in midfield, okay, remember when we had Clovis Camjo playing, cinema, uh, playing D, uh, as a DM, the ball sticks with them and the ball doesn't get out of their feet quick enough. So what happens is the ball comes through them and people are making runs and it delays and delays and then they lose the ball or the ball ends up behind them. Or We need a guy who's going to play in that centre and he's going to get the ball and he's going to get it out of his feet and he's going to move it. He needs to, he needs to have a presence about him because obviously we need a bit of extra height at the team. Uh, but we need to, we need somebody who's, who's, who is good on the ball. So to go and buy some Division 2 clogger is completely the wrong player for, for this team. We may as well put Dan Sweeney in that position um, if we're going to do that, just to, just to get a bit of height in that area. It has to be the right fit. And to get the right fit and to get that team to knit together, that pivot role in front of the back four needs to be a, a guy who who's happy to mix it, but also who can use the ball as well. And I think that's why there's delay in getting that right in getting that man, because I think Rossi knows that guy is crucial to taking this team on for taking this team onto the next step. To be a bit more concrete then, if you were to pick a Barnet player from the last sort of 10, 15 years who you would kind of want to see be the one to come in. Who what player do you think is best fitted that description you've just given us of one that we've and seen? Neil Bishop Neil Bishop. Neil Bishop. Yeah, perfect example. Can use the ball, big guy, can mix it, but ultimately it's about how he uses the ball. Okay, and Richard asked another question, um, and he says, uh, do you think that this season we'll rely on our home form, or, or will our style of play benefit from sort of playing away and breaking on the counter? I think we've got enough players to actually to do both. It's... It, it, it's with the, with the breadth of the players we've got and the different types of skill sets we've got within this squad, we could easily do either. At home, we can, we can box teams in and away from home, we can draw teams onto us and hit them over the top with John Akinde or Cortest. We do, we, do, we do have a lot of options and we do have a lot of players that could make a, an impact um, and help us play different systems. So, and I, I'm really confident in that. So having watched Rossi just change the system completely at half-time, and the team coming out looking like a completely, you know, a completely new team. I'm really confident that Rossi's got the ability to do that. It's interesting you mention that because um, I, I think there's a perception that Barnet have always relied on their home form. Um, whereas last year, actually, I think as a sort of anomaly, our home form was really poor. Actually, it was our away form that did us quite well because we got some really good wins at, you know, Plymouth and Wickham and a few other places. So it will be interesting to see if that if that moniker stays true because. You know, in the last sort of 15, 20 years, our away form has been pretty terrible. But um, I think in recent years, actually, our away form has been, in some cases, better than our home form. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I think we have got the strength and depth to kind of compete on both fronts. Um, but it'd be interesting just in terms of how we set up, whether our style suits playing away or home. Um, OK, so you've got another one here, which is from, uh, I don't know his actual name. I'm sure this isn't his, but his actual name. is Broken Man. Uh, maybe he is less broken after Saturday. And he says, um, what, what do you think about the Forest Green game in terms of, has Rossi been given, is it given Rossi more time with the support? Um, and what are your views on the fan base? Because, you know, at half time, there was a lot of frustration and a lot of it's online, but people just sort of jumping to rash conclusions. So I guess firstly, you know, has the, what, what, what has the, you know, the Forest Green game done for Rossi's um, kind of reputation within the club? 
um, if anything? And secondly, what are your views on on the kind of, you know, not insignificant sections of support that seem to be uh, very critical of the club um, and after 45 minutes are willing to fire a manager and get another one? I kind of feel like the reaction yesterday at half-time was based on historical frustrations rather than actually in the moment because anybody who knows anybody's around the club, anybody who knows Rossi or has spoken to any of the players or spoken to people that know him, I've all, I've all think he's, I've got, I've all think we have a gem of a coach there. So I think the key to it yesterday's reaction was, I think just people just got this pent up frustration that we've had so many managers, we've had, we've flattered to deceive for the last couple of seasons. Yes, last season especially, where it looked like we were going to be heading for the playoffs, and then it, the wheels came off. I think it was that it was that really, because it's not, it's not, it's got nothing to do with Rossi. That's you know that Rossi's only what Rossi's managed like twenty games. Yeah, if that, uh, if that. So I think that people need to be patient, and I'm hoping. The people see that Rossi has got Plan B, and actually, he's got um, he's got more than you know Plan A and Plan B. I, I saw just in the first half, and I guarantee that in that first half, that first half setup he had is not his ideal setup, and he probably would never. He probably, if he has to do that setup again, he'd be probably quite disappointed he have to do that. Uh, but he had a plan for every little section of the, of the pitch. And I noticed and I could spot little things. There was little techniques jockeying players out wide, players not diving into tackles. That This whole thing of people saying, oh, they're running straight through the centre. When they were running through the centre, how many times did they run through the centre, stop, and then move out wide? And that was because our players weren't, were jockeying them and staying on their feet. And rather than flying into, into tackles, they were, so this is all planned. This is, this, these are all things that you work on in coaching. In te- you know technical things that you work on, positioning your body in the right place to move a player away from the danger. So Rossi still hasn't still hasn't got his first eleven of players fit, and when he does, we'll start to see what Rossi actually wants from the team. At the moment, what he's doing is he's got little plans for what we have in the team at the moment, or what what he's got to pick from. And a question here then from Serge, who uh, you may have spoken to previously. Um, what? What? <laughs> what have, he's got. He's got a few actually, but we're, we're going to take two of them. Um, so the first one is: Should we be reassessing our preseason expectations following yesterday? So has yesterday taught us anything that we didn't know beforehand? Do you think? No, I think most of us would have taken a point away. Okay, and and do you think it? Do you, were you? As, are you more or less optimistic having seen yesterday's game and seen Rossi's approaches than you were before kickoff? Yeah, I mean, how many times have we seen us go down 2 0 away from home and then it turns into four? Yeah. It's, um, you know, that's, th- there was a difference there, wasn't there? And also, I was so impressed, and I've already mentioned his name, but Jamal Campbell Rice. Yeah, brilliant, wasn't he? The, it wasn't just the way he played, it was the leadership. Mm. It was, you know, he. He was involved in the first goal. We made made that first run through the centre uh, and almost scored himself. Uh, and then obviously the, the rebound was tapped in. He was coming to get the ball. He was egging the team on and he was driving them forward with the ball. Second goal came. It was a beautiful goal. The second goal was it a couple of one twos with Harry Taylor? Uh, yeah, it, Jack Taylor. Jack, it's interesting because I was, I, was, I was listening to you talk about the. Um, 
the sort of using body position and, and sort of really working on jockeying players. It was interesting because our second goal came from a, a quite high press and a quite a bit of bite in the midfield. So Jack Taylor slid in, won the ball, and we broke quite quickly. Um, and it was a lovely, yeah, I mean, the passing was great. A couple of one-twos and then finished into the corner. But he was brilliant yesterday, Jamal Campbell-Rice. But that, that, to me, is what, when you're talking about leadership, that is leadership. When we needed him, he came in, he had a hand in the first goal, scored the second goal, and I tell you what, that was, I want, I'm hoping we see more of that with Campbell-Rice because that, we didn't see, although he played well last season, that was on another level to what we've seen so far from him and we, we needed that and it was a, it, you know, it was a real, although he wasn't the captain yesterday, it was a captain's type of performance. Yeah, I think he he um, he's really taken on that role, and it was interesting. I was chatting to Charlie, obviously, on the interview we did a while, just a few days ago, actually, um, and he, I think he's he's thriving in this position of leadership because he's one of those players that's always struggled for real consistency, um, and uh, and I think actually getting into real consistency um, and you know being you know a regular starter in a team will do wonders for him. Um, and he could be a real key player this season. I, he looked fantastic yesterday. I, I was really impressed. Um, we'll go on to our final few questions then before we before we wrap up ourselves. So this is from um, uh, another Robert. Oh, no, we had Richard earlier. It's Robert now. Uh, Robert Stebbings. Um, so he's got a few questions. He says, first of all, um, I guess this is, we'll, we'll knock them into one about the squad. He says, we've got quite a bloated squad um, and we've got um, quite a few youngsters in that squad. What players do you think need to leave or should be leaving? Um, and what players do you think would benefit from perhaps a spell out on loan? Okay, I'm looking at the card. I've, I've actually made some notes on this because I was looking um, through the list earlier, um, trying to work out who are the youngsters. So there will be players that will be playing in the under-23s, which um, of the likes of Joe Payne and uh, uh, and Tom Day and people like that. And it, I think Efron Mason-Clark will go out. I've, I have heard from... Because um, Efron uh, Mason's Clark actually played for the first team of the club I was coaching at um, a couple of years ago. Yeah. So within the club, they were raving about him, and they were saying um, this was at Met Police. They said he was a seventeen-year-old kid who'd come in and he was head and shoulders above the other players. Yeah. Um, so I'm expecting big things for him. It will take him a little while to get up to the level of League Two football, but I think he needs another he needs another loan spell. Um, Amaluza, I would keep because yeah. I think he is stepped his game up another level. I think he's now he's now knocking on the door for more, you know, more minutes. Probably won't start for a, for a little bit longer, but I think he's um he's now sort of he's now making impacts in games which is good. Now for me, it's between Shomerton and and, and Kiai who I would put out loan, one or the other. I think one of them we can keep around the squad and one of them needs, would go and I would at the moment it looks like Shomerton's in and around the first team, so it would would suggest that Kiai was the one that um would go out and loan. Uh-huh. And actually, I actually rate Kiai very highly, and I think he just needs a run of games. I think he's got all the, I think he's got all the attributes to be a really good player, league player. He's really strong, skillful, creates things. I think the key to him is just consistency, and he needs a run somewhere. Um, I think if I'm looking at the list, I mean, if we're not just getting below, I mean, if we're not talking about just youth team players, but I'm looking at Ryan Nelson, uh, Ryan Watson's probably yeah. going to go. Um, do, do, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I remember watching Watson play under um, Kevin Nugent a few times, and he was really, really good. Um, but I don't know if he was really thriving in a, a different system. I mean, do you think that he's one that's perhaps been overlooked, or do you think that he's just not quite ready for this level of football? 
my thing with Ryan Watson is I've, I've watched him several times. Um, I think technically mm. he's clearly shows the the years that he spent in the academy system. But unfortunately, with Ryan is, and I've seen this with quite a few other players that I've seen it who've come through the academy system, is they're not quite equipped to play adult football mentally. Um, and I just feel that watch having watched Ryan Watson, his awareness of his positioning and reading the game is not well. We for the position that we would need him to play, I don't think he's he's up to the same standards that the players we've got in the same position. So if you look at he he can't play as a, he can't play him as a defensive midfielder because he because he goes he goes wandering, um, and he can't sit in that position. Um, he would be a great. I actually think he'd be quite good in that centre midfield in terms of his distribution. But I think his problem with him is, is his discipline and uh, awareness of, of the danger. Yeah. Um, so so you'd want to play him a little bit more forward. But then he's up against Jack Taylor, and when there's Curtis Weston's fit, he's up against Curtis Weston. I yeah. think um, realistically, I think it'd be better to you know get his wage, get him off a wage bill, and actually replace him with somebody who's going to sit in there. Because I ex- I expect. That Harry Taylor will eventually come into the centre uh, when uh, when Brindley's fit. I think that Harry Taylor is bit by bit is is growing and growing into a League Two player. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was very good yesterday, and I think he's going to eventually be the guy that sits in that midfield. But I think he's not quite ready yet. He's not mature enough. Um, and I guess finally, then, as we look ahead, we've got quite a tough run of games coming up. Um, we've got Peaceburg United on Tuesday in the I think that's the Carabao Cup. And then we've got Luton, who won 8-2 on Saturday against us uh, at home in the Hive on Saturday, so coming up. And then we've got Stevenage after that. What are your thoughts going into those three games, having seen um, the game on Saturday? And secondly, what you know, assuming we have maybe a couple of players dripping back from injury, would you be tempted to start with the the sort of the formation and line at the start of the second half, or do you think actually, you know, if we went into game against Luton um, with a similarish team? Um, and set up to kind of match up against them, we would be okay. I think we're going to go back to four two three one because I was looking at the the, the lineup that Luton started with um, yesterday, and they started with a diamond midfield, um, which was so they had players four players quite narrow in the centre of that midfield. I think if we go to a three five two, I think we're going to get totally swamped in midfield, and Luton will dominate there. So I think it might be better to try and have as many bodies. Now I, should, I would hope. That someone like Kurtz Weston is, is available um, in the week. If not, I'm not sure to be honest because I haven't seen obviously I haven't seen Luton play yet, so I'm not sure what what their strengths are this season. Um, but I do think that he probably will go to. I think he will go with a three three five two only on the basis that, that the players had such a good second half. But I'm one. But I'm not sure if three five two would be the right one to go against Diamond. Yeah, it's it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a real tough game against against Luton. I mean, they were they were. I remember watching them um, in both games last season, and they were strong in both. And and I think this year they they just look like a very powerful side. Um, your sort of typical very strong League Two side. So I'll be interesting to see whether or not he um, whether Rossi adapts quite significantly for them. Um, you know, and, and really, so I think Luton is one of those games where you've got to be both. You know tactically disciplined you've got to be in a system which everyone knows their responsibilities but you've also got to be matched them physically and I think they'll be they'll be much more of a physical challenge than Forrest Green were who I think helped us quite a lot yesterday by sort of standing off us in the second half um, even though as you mentioned we, we pinned them back quite well up the pitch I think you know if you look at Luton they've got players like McCormack and you know some really you know the, both the Lee brothers 
sort of physical players who um, who are just used to this level. Be interested to see whether Rossi um, has a specific game plan for them. Um, and I guess finally, before we before we finish off, then I mean, um, this goes back to a question that your brother asked. We spoke in the preseason preview about expectations. You know, are you, are you still sticking by what you said um, about where we're going to finish, or do you think that um, you know you can go up or down based on based on that first game? My opinion, my opinion hasn't changed of where we'll finish. I think we'll finish around uh, on the outskirts of the outside the playoffs, um, in the, uh, in the upper end of the table. We still have uh, Brindley to come back. We still have West, uh, Weston to come back, and we still have Kinde to come back. Um, and I do actually think that um, with what I saw on uh, yesterday, add them players to that, and you've got a strong team there. Mm. You got a strong. You got a strong team. You, I think I've. I can. I think the changes. I was just thinking about it actually, about Luton, and I've got a funny feeling, as you said, in terms of the physicality. I have a funny feeling that he might swap Mauro and Harry Taylor around. Interesting. Uh, and get, yeah, and I'm, I think he might keep put put Harry in there and play him in the holding role just to add a bit of extra height in that spine. Um, yeah. Which to me would 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 make a lot of sense because uh, Mauro can more than compete in the wide areas in uh, in the air and and he can play right back reason uh, you know very well so i can and i can also see shomerton uh, i don't think shomerton will start against luton i'd imagine it would probably be somebody um more physical in that area hopefully if john akinde's back then i could see potentially Cortes maybe coming out to the wing sure. if we if we if we stay with the 4231 well. Thanks so much, men, for coming on. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much again for listening. Uh, if you get some time to give us some feedback via Twitter or on iTunes, it really, really helps. It helps us and it helps other people discover the show as well. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll be back quite soon, hopefully, with a couple of episodes. Also, feel free to check out some of the written articles we've done. We're just launching our second uh, edition of that today. So if you get the time to read those, please let us know and please get in contact. And finally, thank you so much to those of you that sent in your questions. Um, we tried our best to get through most of them and we'll carry on doing that in future episodes as well. So thanks a lot and come on you beasts.